0: Merkel Media.
1: Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds with your host, Sean, Chris, Joel Thomas. What are you finding in the forest? He's in the forest.
2: Got into the forest. Is he lost? I got a Bigfoot suit on. I'm trying to bring him in. And I'm not trying to kill him, guys. That's not my deal. I'm trying to hang out with him. We're trying to smoke some of that peace pipe, baby. Brat. Brat what's up y'all we are excited today and before we get into our super fire guest you know sean i think maybe i should read one of the comments that we got on apple yeah we got a we got a really good comment and I really want to read it today, because we said we would, and we've been doing that. You know, people send us these sweet, nice DMs, like uh, the Tupac episode. Uh, we'll definitely play it or read it. So, we got a, a one star. One star means good, right? That's the best, right? One. I think so. That's that's good. Okay, sweet. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Uh, it's titled, Absolutely Awful. I, I think they're trolling I think they're just playing it. I don't think that's for real.
1: Well, um, it's like, bad not bad meaning bad, but bad meaning good. Yeah, like that bad kind meaning
2: of thing. good. Um... I made it 30 seconds past the intro music thought it was a paranormal podcast yet sounds like a live rap concert with all the booyah dogs and cussing. I feel like my ears were beginning to be raped. So I want to say this Sean, I've never said booyah or dog in the same sequence. But it's going down now, booyah, dog! That is going to happen. Booyah, dog!
1: (laughs) That's a new. That's everywhere. I like that, man. I I forgot about booyah. Booyah, dog! (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one, man. Thank you. Thank. See, there. I like that. These super fans are always giving us good information that we can use as catchphrases. You know. Yeah. Booyah, dog!
2: Booyah, dog! Well, in saying that, we've got a fantastic guest today. We've got Ron from New England, and he's been on the show before, and if you know anything about Ron, Ron's been on everything. He's been on tons of podcasts. He's like the geopolitical king, but you know how we do on Kill the Mockingbirds. We like to get your butt cheeks tight around here and shake it up, so today we're going to have Ron on here to talk cryptids, paranormal, because he's got a wealth of information in that field. But before he gets into all that, Ron, if you can, tell us everything about you, where they can find you. We like to do it all up front.
3: Oh, hey, guys. I just want to thank you for having me back on Kill the Mockingbirds. You, you guys always bring a lot of energy to the plate. And listen, just a little, little something about your one-star review and them comments that people make. Come on. That's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I'll go fix that for you. <laughs> Booyah, dog. <laughs> Booyah! Yeah, We get them. I, I agree with you. I think it's just trolls. Uh or or you know what sometimes it's other podcasters that are a little on a jealous side that's what that's my theory but it's all good let that stuff roll off your shoulder we're all in this game together right so yeah so I'm Ron from New England I am the host of the Wicked Planet podcast and you can find me uh basically everywhere podcasts are played Spotify Apple Google uh Podbean Spreaker everywhere we're all over the place and uh, and you and if you want to follow me and check out some cool stuff, you can come and look for me on Instagram at Ron from New England and also the show page, the Wicked Planet Podcast, also on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. I'm trying I, I got past my permanently banned Twitter by, op- <laughs> by, by opening up a new one so so uh, which isn't real hard to do, so I don't know why people get so upset when they get banned. just make something up up, up and you know get back on there. But uh, they can find me there at uh, Ron from NE. So, you guys ready to talk about some cryptids?
2: Booyah, dog! Booyah, dog! Yeah, we are. Um, but Sean, I think maybe I should let everybody know the cat out of the bag. So. Most people that have been listening to me now long enough know that I'm part of Merkle Media. Matter of fact, Kill the Mockingbirds is a part of Merkle Media as well. But I am a part of a film crew that goes and hunts cryptids, paranormal. Uh, We have our latest uh expedition dogman which is up on amazon prime to rent to buy so you can catch that out there uh we did go to skinwalker ranch that film is in the editing room and it's coming out soon but we are about to embark on our third trip and it will be with wes germer from sasquatch chronicles who was really groundbreaking in the podcasting field when it comes to cryptids. He's kind of like the godfather that really started the whole cryptid, really Bigfoot uh, phenomenon in the podcasting world. He's actually going to be a part of this film, with myself, Tony, Ward, Christian, and uh, Joseph, who actually runs the uh, film department now for Miracle Media. So it's going to be a blast. I can't tell everybody exactly when we're leaving or where exactly we're going to be at, but we'll be out on the West Coast, and it's going to be really soon within the next few weeks. So everybody get ready. This one is going to be crazy. And if you like Dogman, you're definitely going to like this. It's going to be very similar. So with that being said... Ron, we're going to give you the floor and you can blow our minds and get a butt cheeks tight.
3: (laughs) Nice. Hey, listen, shout out to Tony and Wes. I mean, those guys, their shows are some of my favorites. And, you know, uh, I think Sasquatch Chronicles was the first uh, like cryptid show that I really got into like big time. And I've been listening to that for quite a few years. And that's how I learned about Tony. And the confessionals. So uh so and I'm a member with Tony and I'm fixing to be a member on Wes's because I want to support those guys because they they've come a long way and they're doing some really cool stuff. And uh and I'm excited to see what you guys come up with on this next trip that you're doing. Like I'm really interested in that. But uh what I thought would be cool is uh, you know, if we're gonna talk about cryptids uh, you know, in, a little bit for a little bit, that everybody is familiar with like Sasquatch, Bigfoot, stuff like that. Dogman, I absolutely love the Dogman subject. I think Dogman lore goes back further than Sasquatch lore, because a lot of Dogman war is tied in, in my opinion, to werewolves, or di- or direwolves from back like in medieval times, right? And a lot of that stuff originated and a lot of these uh, myths and folklores originated in Europe. So, uh, and this is why, you know, coming to the new world, and I, and I don't know if anybody knew anything or talked anything about Sasquatch until they came to the new world, to North America. And, and then, uh, I mean, but there has been accounts of things like what we would consider a Sasquatch in early colonial times in the United States and in Canada. So, so, uh, but anyways, great subject, And, and, but I thought it would be cool to talk about some similar cryptids that maybe some that people are not aware of, or maybe have never heard of before that have similarities. And I kind of want to try to tie some of those in with each other, because I've got, I've got a few groups here. Like I've got them grouped into different sections where they're all kind of similar, but they're in uh, different geographical regions. So. I think I would like to talk about some ones that the first one I want to talk about is actually from New England. There's actually a couple from New England. One I'm a little bit more familiar with than the other, but I want to talk about a cryptid that they call the Dover Demon. And the Dover Demon is from Massachusetts. Massachusetts. And when I started looking into it, I was starting to notice some similarities between that and the Flatwoods Monster from West Virginia, and there was uh, the Pope Lick Monster, which is which is another similar one, and that one is uh, also from down south. But the Dover Demon is described as about six or seven feet tall. It it kind of resembles what I would consider like. Uh, have you ever seen a hairless cat? Like the Dover demon is supposed to have smooth, well, wrinkly smooth skin but no hair and like big ears, kind of like Yoda, and, and which is interesting because I have another one I want to talk about later that had like Yoda type ears. And in uh, this Dover demon like like this started coming out in in the early 70s, like early to mid 70s in Massachusetts and there's been multiple sightings of it. Now, when I make when I make comparisons from the Dover Demon to the uh Flatwoods Monster and the Flick Monster what is interesting uh along with a lot of Sasquatch things and Dogman that these uh cryptids all seem to have red eyes like red glowing eyes that that to me is like a uh a similarity that that goes across all the cryptids which I find you know it kind of leads you into, is this a demonic thing? Is this a natural thing? Is this some form of alien? and And the whole thing about it is there isn't there isn't much info on these, but the Flatwoods monster of West Virginia is the one that's more prevalent. There's more sightings, there's more things happening with it. Now when you start when you start getting into it, and I try to make the similarities between these and and like more known cryptids, so to me, it's almost like it's almost like the predator, the description that the description that you get of these particular cryptids uh, and we don't know if they're you know technically cryptids or if they're like alien form or human humanoid, maybe possibly but but what I find is interesting about it is you, like the Poplick monster, that's the one that kind of interests me because that one's in Kentucky. Now, we know a lot of weird stuff happens in Kentucky, right? But flat, the Flatwoods monster is in West Virginia, but it's close to the Kentucky border. You know, these cryptids and these monsters, like they don't know what geographical borders are, right? I mean, it makes no difference to them. So uh, so I, I, I was starting to think that maybe the Poplick monster and the Flatwoods demon was maybe the same thing. Because in eastern Kentucky, there is a town called Flatwoods in eastern Kentucky. And when I started looking into this, I thought that maybe that's what it was talking about, Flatwoods, Kentucky. But then when I learned a little bit more, I said it was in West Virginia. So I looked it up on the map, and they're actually pretty close to each other. Uh, there's a big river that separates West Virginia and Kentucky. I was born in Kentucky, so I know a little bit about the place.
1: Are, are you sure the cryptid is not Mitch
3: McConnell? Yeah, you know what? Well, he... he, he <laughs>
1: You said Kentucky, so it's-
3: <laughs> if you look at if you look at his skin, I guess it's it's similar to it's similar to the Dover Demon.
1: And when I pulled up the Dover Demon, uh, I put I've never heard of it, so I wanted to check it right now. And I'm seeing a lot of the pictures that obviously people are drawing. There's no actual photo. It looks a lot like a gray. Like what people would yes. consider a gray, but with red yes. beady eyes instead of like, you know, the dark black eyes.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why I said I was leaning more to it possibly being some form of alien. Of course, we know there's a lot of talk in the UFO and the alien, you know, extraterrestrial circles, that uh, greys are actually uh, not really entities at all. They're like some type of robotic thing in a biomechanical suit that makes them look like that. I mean, I really wish we knew the answer to that, but. But meat sacks, baby, meat sacks. But when you talk about the Dover demon, uh it, it gives you different, different. Like some people say it's only three to five feet tall. Other people say it's taller. Now, Sean, that would be interesting because if it was three to five feet tall, well, that's right in the range of what a gray is, right? Because a gray would typically be three to four feet tall, typically. So again. We don't know how long these encounters took, if they were split-second encounters. One encounter was a guy was driving down the road and started walking on the side of the road. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's kind of one of the, the, the most famous, you know, not that it's famous, but uh, encounters that they talk about with the Dover Demon. Uh, the one thing that, I, that, that is different, the Pope Blick monster is rumored to have a goat's head with horns, right? So, so that kind of sets it aside a little different from the Flatwoods monster in the Dover Demon. Now, the other thing I had, just like a crazy idea, was you've all seen what dogs look like when they have manes, right? They have no hair. Who's who's to say that these aren't just like smaller Sasquatches that have gotten some form of disease that makes all their hair fall out, right? You
2: know what that makes me think of, Ron? It kind of reminds me of the uh, chupacabras that they found that looked very similar to some sort of wolf that didn't have hair or had some sort yeah. of disease. Right.
3: Yeah. The Chupacabra is a really interesting, uh, cryptid as well, because, you know, that goes back, that goes back hundreds of years and that's, you know, Mexico, South America, uh, I mean, excuse me, Central America, well, South America too. And, uh, you know, in Southern, uh, United States, like Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, kind of that area where, you know, it's a heavy Spanish population. So again, I think some of these stories from these cryptids they travel <laughs> they travel with the, with the people as they travel they bring the myths and legends with them. And uh but uh but those three I thought that those were kind of interesting. I think that maybe the listeners might want to go and check that out. There's a lot of resources uh very little information but a lot of different resources to kind of get that information. But uh but what's really cool is that we know that, again, I said earlier, a lot of weird stuff happens in Kentucky, right? So you have the Mammoth Caves, all kinds of weird stuff comes out of there. You got the Penny Royal region, which is close to where the Mammoth Caves are. Have you guys ever heard of the Penny Royal region in Kentucky? It's like South Central Kentucky.
2: Yeah, a little bit. I know about the, I know about the caverns and stuff that are going on there.
3: Yeah, well, who's to say that, who's to say that these animals aren't underground? Like, how many stories have we heard about, uh, you know, the let's just say lizard people or other entities or or the caves that are guarded by the dog man, for instance, right? That something is in that cave and the dog man or these types of cryptids, cryptids could be guarding certain locations that would just possibly portals. What
2: about this, Ron? What if, uh, you know, one thing I've, I've been digging into big time over the past year were these dog men and particularly this one type of bigfoot which is the white bigfoot they tend to be around some sort of underground bases and i'm wondering if there's some sort of tie-in with the government and they're used as like guard dogs or guard entities to these underground places because if there's portals and stuff like that i put money on it that the government knows about it and they're super active with doing whatever with the portals. So I wonder if that has a lot to do with it. These entities that tend to be around these things, they're supposed to be there, and they're to some degree controlled by some sort of well, government. Well, what's industry.
3: interesting, a lot of these sightings are near known military installations, right? So that's that's not a secret. Like, we get a lot of information on that. Now, we've all heard of the Dumbs, the deep underground military bases, right? And And it's just... It's just odd that a lot of these dumps are located in or near national parks, which brings in all the mysterious disappearances that they cover in the 411 series, where these people go missing and these park rangers and the people that run the parks, like, they don't even keep track of that stuff. Like, you try like, they have to put in FOIA requests to get information about missing people. Like, that should be public information already, right? but who is to say that the national parks aren't aren't just cover stories for locations where there are portals and that in and that the, and that these cryptids are actually coming through portals right they're they're not natural like so let's just take that angle that it's not like even sasquatch dogman that they're not like a a missing link that's been out there forever and we just haven't happened upon them i you know, I really have a hard time, like, like buying into that. I am more apt to, to buy into the fact that they could be interdimensional, and that is something that more people are kind of getting on board with, because uh, let's just give a little shout out to our guy, Tony Merkel, over at the confessionals, because he had a gentleman on that was a retired sheriff recently, and he was talking about encounters that he had in the LBL in Tennessee, which is actually called The Land Between the Lakes. And when I listened to that show, I listened to the, the first show and I listened to the overtime show. He had said some really interesting things that really piqued my interest. And he talked about, what, well, what he was talking about was dog man encounters, right? But he had also mentioned that he had heard a metallic sound like some door closing. Portaling. Exactly. And right after that, that's when this dogman paces him out off the hunting trail into his camp where he had one of his friends was also at the camp. They were out hunting. And what I find really interesting about that is that right after that, Bigfoot shows up. So now, now we're now we're hearing about encounters that include Dog Man and Bigfoot together, because some people are trying to say that Dog Man is just another Bigfoot. I don't believe that. I think they're different. I think they're totally different. And, and people should go and in, in, uh, go listen to that episode because that was uh, one of my favorite episodes. I mean, Tony's got lots of stuff that are my favorite.
1: You kind of got me thinking right now, Ron. What if, like—well, because I kind of—I subscribe to the interdimensional beings, but we also kind of think of, like, if an interdimensional being comes here, the government finds it, they're going to try to make their own, right? They're going to try to replicate that. But what if, like, Dogman is, like, the opposite of, like— Sasquatch, meaning like they're rivals, right? Like, what if like Sasquatch represents that entity, like that that being that's like, you know, peaceful with nature, here to help? Like, we don't know that, but then like dogman is that disruptor, and maybe that's why like they clash. Like, I know they've never clashed, but it started making me think like if they're having more stories of them together, maybe that's like the other comes to prevent the other to do something. You know what I mean? Just a thing I just thought right now.
3: Okay, so to that point. When this gentleman was talking, he had this really interesting theory, and it's a mind blower, and and believe it or not, it makes, like, total sense. Okay. Let's put it into a human perspective. Just take me, for instance. I'm a mild-mannered person. You get me upset, well, it's a different story, but generally, I'm a a mild-mannered person. I'm friendly to everybody, this and that, but I have two pit bulls at home. So, if you were trying to intrude into my house, my pimples that are normally very friendly, one of them, my female, can get aggressive when she's feeling like she needs to protect me. Okay. Now, keep that in the back of your head. This guy has the theory that the dog man is Bigfoot's protector. And that they work together, like, like Bigfoot is higher up on the chain, like the more of the alpha, because like, in a, like in a human dog relationship, like they don't know you're not a dog, right? They just think you're the alpha, right? So it's, a, it could be the same thing with Bigfoot and Dogman. Now we do know from any and all of the encounters that we've heard of Dogman, that Dogman is very aggressive. Very, very aggressive, where Sasquatches are, are not always aggressive unless you push them to be aggressive. And, and uh, if you're coming close to maybe a family pod, if you're getting between them and the deer or the hog they just killed, <clears throat> or if they see you raise a firearm to them, and that is one thing that freaks me out, is like, how does Sasquatch know what a gun is? I listened
2: to that episode, too, and I really started, like you, started really mind spinning and thinking and thinking. So I think that there's different tiers of Bigfoot too. I I think you've got some Bigfoot that, tend to be more aggressive. I think there could be a certain maybe group that tends to be, because he did say that that particular, the ones he saw looked a lot different than what he'd heard of. They looked, you know, just had a wild look to them. Uh, if I'm correct, they had red glowing eyes. They were a little different. I wonder if not only is it like a symbiotic relationship, like, you know, maybe they work in tandem, but what if that's part of like a hunting Ritual or a hunting, like you're go- they're going hunting and they send exactly. the dogs out first. Yeah, and, and it, 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 I I really thought about that and I'm like, I don't think that all Bigfoot are like that because there's been plenty of stories about Bigfoot and Dogman not getting along. And I remember one particular story: this guy was walking down a trail and he saw Bigfoot, and Bigfoot looked at him and put his finger to his lips. As in to say, be quiet and hold up. And Dog Man walked, was down the way past him, walks out of the brush across the trail and back into the brush. So he warned the human hey, there's something coming here. You need to relax. And he did, and then Bigfoot walked off as soon as that happened. So I wonder, I, I I believe completely that there's some sort of symbiotic relationship with some of them, but I wonder if those are more of like the warrior type, the hunter type that aren't like some of the other ones. Because you know, they say they look different too. So you got different colors, you've got different kinds. And if they're coming from a different dimension, there could be all kind of different, for lack of a better word, races of Bigfoot in this other place. Or big tr- different tribes man like they could all be from different tribes okay
3: so when you look when you when you make parallels from humans to say Sasquatch right not all humans are the same some are nice and some are not nice that's why we have prisons <laughs> right so so I mean you and you have alpha males right in humans and you have alpha males in Sasquatch you got grumpy old men and you might have grumpy old Sasquatch right I mean it makes sense. You could have a 50, 60-year-old Sasquatch that just is all set. You know, his hips hurt, his knees hurt, he's got a freaking toothache, and now he's got to go out there on a rainy, crappy day trying to find something to eat, right? And, and if you get between him and his food, hey, I know that if you reach onto my plate when I'm really hungry, you're going to have a problem. So that that makes a lot of sense, Joel, like, like very much. So, but... Yes, I believe that in a fashion they work together and that dog man is is, uh, Bigfoot's uh, protector, hunting dog, whatever, could be numerous things, right? And and I mean, and you're right as far as Sasquatch goes, because we have lots of cryptids that are all very similar to Sasquatch, but they're not Sasquatch, right? I mean, let's take the one in Florida that's famous in Florida. Now, we've heard tons of encounters with Sasquatch in Florida. You got the Everglades. You got perfect, perfect habitat. There's lots of food. And who knows, maybe they developed a taste for gators and crocodiles, right? So, so there's a lot of Sasquatch stuff going on down there. But what you also hear about in Florida is the skunk ape, which is similar to a Sasquatch. But in any descriptions, they're a little smaller than what we think a Sasquatch, because, uh, you know, you take a Sasquatch, you're talking anywhere between seven and 10 feet tall, right? Depending. And then you have the skunk ape, which is like five or six feet tall, right? We've heard stories of how Sasquatch, how he smells like a dirty old wet dog, right? But the skunk ape smells like a skunk, hence the name skunk ape, right? And he's got a stripe that goes down his back that's similar to a skunk in a, in a lot of the sightings that people had of that. So that's just another example of a cryptid that's like Bigfoot, but not exactly like Bigfoot. I mean, if you start looking at Bigfoot-type cryptids, cryptids all over the world, you know, you got the Yeti from the Himalayas, which is white, right? Then you have the Yowie uh, that I believe is, is the Yowie Australian or Russian? No, I think the Yowie is Australian. And then you have the Alma, which is from Russia. And you have uh, there's another one that's down in South America that's very similar. I can't remember the name of it right now. But one I'd like to touch on real quick is one that like even you guys hadn't heard of, and it's very prevalent it's a very prevalent myth up in New England, way like northern New England, where Northern New England becomes more French than it does English. Like like even in northern New Hampshire, all the signs up there were in French and English, and we border the, the province of Quebec, which is the French province in Canada, is the story of the Rougarou. And the, and the Rougarou is another cryptid that is described to be very Bigfoot-ish, okay? But then again, not really. And what's, and what's interesting about the Rougarou is there are encounters, documented encounters that go all the way back to the early 1700s. When the French settlers came, because you know, in New England where I am, this was actually controlled by the French at one time, and then during the what they called the French and Indian War, that's when the British and later to become Americans fought off the French and uh, and, and pushed them back up into what is now Quebec, which at one time that whole uh, eastern section of what is Canada today, was actually called New France. So the tale of the Rougarou obviously came from France, migrated over with uh, the people that settled in what is modern-day Quebec. But uh, there was just one point I wanted to make about the Rougarou. You know what? And It just escaped my head. I'm sorry about that, guys. But but, but, but well, it'll come back to me. So, so when you talk about the Rougarou, though, when you do research on it, a lot of it talks about it's, it's more prevalent in Louisiana, like in the swamps of Louisiana and stuff like that, because, well, these are all uh, Cajun people down there, and Cajun people are uh, part French, right? I mean, I mean, that's what they are. They're French and Indian put together, and that's your Cajun people. They have their own language and everything, so it makes sense that they would bring the, those French myths with them when they migrated from New France down to Louisiana. Because, you know, when we did the Louis, uh, Louisiana purchase, who did we buy that from? France. So that's why that's all heavy-duty French down here. But but there was something interesting about the Rougarou I wanted to bring up.
1: Oh, I, my God. I am looking it up right now Like because, again, I didn't know about it much. In one of the first articles, it says, save the swamp, but beware of the Rougarou. <laughs> and it looks like, it looks almost like the pictures, again, we can only go so much off the pictures that people are, you know, describing. It looks almost like a skeleton-ish werewolf slash something else. Like, it, it's it's weird how the, like, what it's being depicted as.
3: Okay, so it all came back to me. <laughs> so the Rougarou is more like a... Uh, halfway between a Bigfoot and a dogman, or what we would call a werewolf. And, w- and, and what is interesting about the Rougarou is that it's supposed to be a shapeshifter.
2: See, that that's interesting, too, because that ties into Skinwalkers. And is that also a combination of some sort of lore about skinwalkers or just a form of a skinwalker and maybe this is some sort of like middle form that these people could move into this werewolf slash Bigfoot uh you know, mix because yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures now too. And I'm like, man, this is wild. This is, this is very reminiscent of some of the native American stories and some of the stuff they told that they've seen. And honestly, when I was out in Utah and we talked to a lot of the native Americans, they talked about these hybrid beings that people could shape into it wasn't just that they would just morph into a wolf or morph into some sort of large bird or or bigfoot but there was these mixes of like even hooved hooved uh you know almost human hooved creatures that they would even morph into so i'm wondering if this is something along those lines too
3: okay so i i don't know i know that a lot of the people would uh like shady people if they wanted to do something that was their scapegoat was the Rougarou. or 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 they would say oh no nobody stole your uh sheep that was the Rougarou. he ate them <laughs> you know but but they used that they used that because you know when they was when they was settling up there in in uh canada they were big into logging and trapping and the fur trade and all that stuff right so the fur trade was major right so what they would do is they would probably use the tail of the rugeru to scare people uh, away from their, uh, their traps or whatever, as an example. But they also use it to scare the Indians away so that the Indians wouldn't come into their camps and mess with them. So because, you know, the Indians at this time could speak French. So, so this is why, uh, you know, they, they had very good communication skills back and forth with the settlers, right? But... There's still a lot. There's still a lot of documented cases of the of the rougarou happening, and like when they say, "Well, if it was just a myth that came from France to, to New France or whatever," uh, you know, it could be just a myth that the people are playing on. However, if it is a werewolf type entity, that's more human, right? And it's supposedly a shapeshifter because there was a document uh, written how this gentleman had. Killed a rougarou, and the next morning when he went to go find it, it was his neighbor. So, so there goes into the werewolf lore, where where a human uh, shape shifts into a werewolf or a dogman. I mean, that's the whole thing with dogman. Like we don't know, we don't know if that's a shapeshifter or if it's just it's born a dogman and it's a dogman the rest of its life. Because that's what I think Sasquatch is. I think Sasquatch is just like any other primate. Uh, you know, they have a baby, the baby grows up, they have babies, and so on and so forth. I think once you're a Sasquatch, you're always a Sasquatch. I don't think the same about Dogman. I think Dogman is a totally different thing. Now, listen, Wes actually had somebody on his show, and it was quite a few years ago now. I want to say I listened to the show a couple of years ago. And why it piqued my interest was because it was a Dogman encounter and they didn't say the name of the town but they said the lake where it was and i know exactly where that is so i know what town it was in and i even know how they described i even know what road it was on but there was this gentleman that was walking his girlfriend home she had come over to his house uh and this is a place i'll I'll tell you what it is called lock lake colony and it's and it's on lock lake up in barnstead and it's a man-made lake where they just, people went in there and they just put camps and houses in there and, and all that. And it's pretty heavily populated. So this guy had this girlfriend over and, and she lived also in the colony. So he was walking her home. And they had noticed something up in a, up in a tree. And, uh, and I'm just making the encounter really short. So they saw something up in the tree and then they looked up and this thing jumped out of the tree and landed right in front of them and looked at them. And this guy says, it was a wolf. It was a werewolf. Yeah, He didn't call it a dog man. He called. I think he called it an actual werewolf. And, and he said it basically just growled at them and split. It took off. Now, now that's not that's like two towns over from me. But did I ever tell you guys about the dog man encounter that a friend of mine's uh, a friend of mine uh, preacher, his pastor had, like right up the street from my house. And I told this story recently, so I'll, I'll run it by you real quick. So I don't know if you've ever heard of one of my panelists that comes on a show goes by the name of Anonymous Sean. So, so Anonymous Sean, he he used to be like super super religious. Now he's kind of backed off from that, but he knows a lot about scripture and the Bible and, and a lot of things, and he makes correlations to scripture to what's happening now and vice versa, right? But he used to have these little home church things at his house, and he lives on this back road where there just happens to be. Several Sasquatch encounters like on this road. Now, if you look my town up uh, on the BFRO site, there's actually documented cases on BFRO from this town. So, anyway, so he was having this home church thing and he invited me over. And I'm like, you know, Sean and I have been friends since we were little kids. Our dads were friends. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll come over and check it out. And it was like six of us there and, you know, mostly other people I knew in town. And he brought this preacher in. Well, I call him a preacher, he was a pastor. Yes. And uh, I don't know, just something about this pastor, this kind of, uh, I don't know, I thought he was a little sketchy myself, and I'm a pretty good character person like that. Anyway, so we had our little meeting or whatever, and we all left. And then the pastor stayed, and him and Sean talked for a while. And so the pastor leaves to go home. The next morning, he calls Sean back. He goes, you're not going to believe what happened. Because this, but also this pastor is also uh, the the demon's a devil, devil, devil type pastor. You know what I mean? Like a Southern pastor. He said, I left your driveway and I was headed back up to the main road and I saw something coming out of the woods. So I stopped thinking that might've been a deer or something because we have deer and bear here, like all over the place. He said, and this thing ran up, You said, it looked like a dog jumped up on the hood of my car and just looked in at me. And, and this is, this is an old dirt road. So you're driving pretty slow, right? And uh, and he and he says, Oh my god, that's a wolf. It's, but it's not a wolf. That that's like a man, that's a wolf. <laughs> totally freaked him out. Now, Sean could probably tell the story a lot better than that, but but it's again an instance where there's a dogman encounter in the same location where there's Sasquatch encounters. So it brings it back again. Are they are they working together? I don't think they're one and the same. I think they're totally different entities.
1: Or what if, like you guys were saying, like since there be different tribes of Sasquatch and you know different types, like we were talking about earlier, maybe they work with some of them, right? Maybe the Dog man are like connected with certain tribes and they protect them, and then others they're kind of rival against because, like, depending on like because. There is some instances where we've heard, like, they kind of clash or they've not got along. And then there's others where they've been in the same places or it seems like they're working together. So maybe the dogmen are with specific Sasquatch tribes or, like, you know, like like you said, their dog or their protector. And dogs could be many things, right? Like. If it's a dog, my dog might just be a house dog or a protector, like you were saying, or we could have hunting dogs or numerous different things that we could breed the dogs to do. So they might be doing the same thing, and that might be why we also see different characteristics of different of these dogmen as well.
3: Or they're both coming through the same portal, and they both want to do the same thing. So maybe they steer clear from each other, and then maybe there's instance, instances where they can't steer clear from each other, and then they have to get aggressive with one another. I mean. Again, I mean, these are all things, obviously speculation, but it's really interesting to think about.
1: But portals, it makes me think of Hollow Earth, man. We're big on Hollow Earth, so like I always, I think a lot of the cryptids either come from interdimensional or these portals that are like connected with Hollow Earth. That's like, again, like that's, it's not fact for sure, but there's a lot of evidence to show that there is probably,
3: you know, something to the Hollow Earth theory. Okay, so I'm a big Hollow Earth guy myself. Like, like, and I know this is going to piss a lot of flat earthers off.
2: <laughs> Don't worry,
1: we do that all the time.
2: Butt cheeks tight. Hey, it's what we do here, Ron. We get them jacked up. Butt cheeks tight. Booyah, dog.
3: I always tell them I'm agnostic about it because some of them, like David Weiss, can bring in really good information that really makes you go, hmm, interesting. And then you have other people that are just downright militant about it. And, and that was like one of the reviews that I got. You know, when you're talking about, I got a one star review on Apple from this guy. Oh, I thought you were smart until I figured out you were like a brainwashed NASA old guy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, it is what it is. I will listen to both sides. However, Hollowworth, I am really sold on that for sure. I mean, and that's even where they say in uh well, they call them extraterrestrials, but technically, if they're from hollow Earth, they wouldn't be extraterrestrial right they they would be terrestrial, they would be from this planet, yeah, yep, so uh, there was a couple of other ones uh, once we're getting on dogman that that I wanted to just kind of go over real briefly that are that are similar to dogman, like like how these other ones were similar to gray aliens and uh maybe like bald Sasquatches or whatever. But uh, this one there's, one, there's one that comes out of Montana, a story that comes out of Montana. And it's about the Shunka Warikin, which to me sounds like an Indian name. But this is supposed to be like a huge, like seven foot tall black wolf, long hair, and again, red glowing eyes. And yeah, and that myth goes back all the way to the Indians. And, you know, just to touch back on Indian, Sean, what you said, I meant to say it earlier. There has been stories, uh, you know, handed down oral tradition of actual Indian tribes capturing young Sasquatches and training them and raising them. Just a little something I wanted to put out there. Yeah, so so that they would bring the Sasquatches into their camp and basically use them as pets or dogs or, you know, whatever. Or maybe they figured that if they possessed a Sasquatch, maybe other tribes wouldn't mess with them. Because that would definitely be dark arts, right? Like like if you were an Indian tribe and you've never you never saw this and you and you had a bunch of guys and you were scouting out another Indian camp and you saw a Sasquatch, you'd be like, Yeah, I think maybe we'll leave those guys alone. So, but 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 the Shunkawarakin, that one's a really interesting thing because that one brings in uh, some of the people that said, they think that it could be just a young werewolf, but if it's that size, I wouldn't say that it would be a young werewolf because when we talk about dog man and we talk about werewolves, they're not really any bigger than like a big guy, right? They're not like when they talk about dog man, it's not, you know, seven, 10 feet tall like a Sasquatch.
1: You think more bulky when I always hear about dog, I mean, you think more bulky, like, you know, like Reminds me of like a, a, you know, Jersey Shore meathead that's like, you know, right there. <laughs> yeah,
3: there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I had another one written down that was a lot like Dog Man. We already covered the Rougarou. I thought that one, the Rougarou is really, I mean, there's people in northern New Hampshire that said that we have Rougarou up there.
2: Uh, well, I like what you said about the Rougarou too, Ron, about how this was a French. Uh, Myth And then it came over here And you talk about the guy that shot one And then woke up it was his neighbor Well that would make sense If it followed him Because literally some of those people
3: Could shape shift. That was my point So this is a person that came over the boat With everybody else And maybe he just didn't turn into a werewolf Maybe they can control Now here's another thing We don't know about werewolves Every movie that we see Or every show that we see That's about a werewolf well, what brings the werewolf on? The full moon. And then, and then he goes into the transformation, which they show very grotesquely, which, which I, I, I think it's more, if they can shape shift into it, it would almost be like it would be able to do it instantly. Like, now I'm a human. In two seconds, I'm going to be a werewolf. Uh, because if you see how it's depicted in the movies or whatever, you know, their, their hands grow out and their clothes rip off and all this other stuff, like, I don't really think you could physically come back from that. But if you have, but if you have shapeshifter abilities, well, then that's not gonna it's not gonna mean anything, right? All right, so the other one I wanted to talk about is what they call the big black shuck. And this tale goes back to England, and again, it's very similar to the Shunka Warrican. And this one is so popular in England. Again, a big black dog. Red glowing eyes, and it usually foretells or foreshadows death so well if this if this big black dog is, is like on the hunt, yeah, well, it sounds like somebody's probably going to be dead before the night's over right but but it it was so ingrained in the English people's uh lore that there was actually a Sherlock Holmes story written about. Uh, I think they called them the Black Hounds of Hell or something like that, or Hell, or Hellhounds, Hellhounds. And, and that basically was just a story about this, uh, the big black shuck, they call it, S-H-U-K. So that's another one that's very werewolf-ish, very dog-man-ish that, that probably not too many people have heard about.
1: Yeah, I didn't hear about a lot. Like the Ruguru ones is crazy one to me still, like, and that, um, I forgot how you pronounced it, but the one in Montana, that, that, cause I've never heard of one that big, like that tall. Like when you, hit, when we talk about a lot of cryptids, mostly when it's like real height to Sasquatch, you know what I mean? Like that they could be from like seven, eight feet or, you know, pretty tall. I've never heard of any from my, you know, experience in, in hearing people talk about dogman. I've never heard. Usually it seems like they're like between five, five and like five ten, maybe six, one six, two, nothing, nothing crazy.
3: Well, what's interesting about the Big Black Shuck and the Shunka Warican from Montana is that they, there's no encounters where they talk that these are bipedal. Now, we know that Dogman and even Sasquatch in some encounters said that they run on all fours. And I think why a Sasquatch runs on all fours is just like why a little toddler crawls around on all fours, right? These Sasquatches are younger And they know that they can move quicker and they can be hidden easier if they're running down on all fours versus being bipedal and running through the woods like an adult would do. Like, you know, as an adult, you're not going to get down on all fours and, and run through the woods. But a young kid or a young, you know, any type of primate, monkey, gorilla or whatever, I mean, all you do is watch videos of them and you can see they run around on all fours. Well, we do know that we've heard that dog man does that, too. It's both ways. Like a dog man can run down on all fours to go like really high speed or it can it can walk on its hind legs. Right. But none of that is really talked about with with the uh, big black shunk from England or the uh, the shunk of from Montana. They say they act just like wolves. They're just like really like abnormally huge. Well, could they
1: be like some kind of like hybrid offspring with that and Bigfoot? That creates dog band as well. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know there, there usually there's something that starts it, right? Like there, maybe those are the original, since the stories are the lure is so goes back through time. Maybe somehow like there's some kind of procreation with those original ones and, and the original Sasquatches that maybe we get Dogman from.
3: Well, I think, I think when you're talking about any type of uh, bigger wolf type creature that that's not, bipedal like a dog man or a werewolf right uh and it would make sense that a werewolf if it was a shapeshifter from a human that would be bipedal right i mean that would naturally want naturally want to walk on uh, its hind legs but if you remember in lore and if anybody's watched game of thrones right you know you know back in the day in the medieval times they had something called the dire wolf so these these entities could be something similar of the remnants of the dire wolf, which was supposed to be absolutely huge critter, right? So when I hear about these two, that's kind of more what I think. Like like this, they are could be part of evolution and that they are basically what's evolved from the dire wolf into whatever these sightings are that these people see.
2: I got another one too. So uh, one of the things... And, you know, I've just been doing research on it because we're about to go on this trip, is the uh, the spider Bigfoot, the one that Wes ran into, the one that dropped down in a, almost like a spider crawl. But this is not just... Uh, quarantine to Wes's story this has been spreading out now we already we talked to uh, the the uh the sheriff that you talked about one of them dropped down in that position we had uh there's another lady that's out in the west coast not far from west that had a similar thing happen as well so I'm wondering to piggyback a little bit off of you and in, in dropping down into these all four positions I really started thinking about this and I'm very open to the quantum bigfoot stuff i I like it a lot and i think that there's a lot of credence to that too but just from a just a a normal physical angle to this when bigfoot's When it seems like they disappear out of nowhere, I wonder if it's they can drop down into this spider position so quickly, and if they're on their fingers like that, their footprints would disappear at that point if they could crawl off into a different area, so that is a form of them being able to hide, and it almost seemed like they slip into another dimension, and I'm here to say that I do think that they can, at least some of them, but Just from a physical standpoint, if they're not trying to go that route, I think they can drop down into these positions and this spider crawl thing that more and more people are talking about now. um, Yeah, it just made me think about that when you brought that up, Ron. And
3: and I think that's and I think that's a perfect, perfect example of it, because, uh, you know, when we've heard earlier of Sasquatch encounters or whatever, there would be maybe out of 10 encounters, it'd be like one person that would say it got down and did a spider crawl. Or, or what Wes is calling a spider crawl but it was actually just down on all fours and getting really low to the ground. Let me tell you, like, that's a trick that a lot of animals do. Let me tell you a little hunting story. When I was younger, hunting out back here, uh, out, in, out in the deep woods here, that's now an <laughs> 18-hole golf course. I can remember one time, uh, I was just taking a break. I was up on the ridge and I was sitting on a big rock and I was just taking a rest, right? And I could hear something behind me. And I slowly turn around and it was two deer trying to sneak behind me, honest to God, down on their elbows or their knees or whatever. They were really low to the ground, and they were crawling to get away from me. Never would have believed it if I didn't see it with my own eyes. So that is like a, like a flight response, right? So that could be a flight response for a Sasquatch. And I think I remember listening to that episode with Wes with the spider crawl, uh, Bigfoot. Now, as we, as you get into later days, well, we're starting to hear more and more about that, right? And it makes a lot of sense that if they are doing that, they're going to be on their tippy toes in the back and they're going to be on their knuckles on the front. They're not going to leave any, they're not going to leave like big footprint, uh, like footprints, right? Sasquatch footprints. So when you get Sasquatch footprints, it's when they're just taking a leisurely walk through the mud, Right. But you're not going to get good prints if it's in flight mode because these things, if they're 8 or 10 feet tall, what's their leg span? Like the their running span, right? I mean, it would be huge. And, and you know that a footprint from something running, you can look at a footprint like from tracking deer or bear or whatever. You could tell if they're running or not just by looking how the front of the footprint is dug in. Right so that that makes that makes total sense yeah that's interesting I'm really big
1: though like uh, since a lot of these stories like now obviously they come out more because more people are feeling comfortable to say stuff but I just have this feeling because I do subscribe to a lot of the cryptids and uh, you know c- coming from portals and interdimensional all that like I'm I'm on that as well but I do really think that some of these are really uh you know experimental things that that the governments have, try to recreate and then maybe that's why we hear so many different like well dogman was always like this but now he's been doing these things you know what i mean like where it's these weird transitions of we didn't hear so much now again it may be that just people are now being more vocal but i tend to think there's this like realm of like governments replicating this
3: for nefarious reasons oh yeah i think you're on the money there and uh you know, I have no doubt that the government knows that these things exist, right? Like 100% they know, know these exist. Like, How many stories have we heard where somebody has a major, like a really bad encounter with a Sasquatch, and they report it to the local sheriff, and well, in the next day, the government's there with like a SEAL team, <laughs> like, like because they're sending them out to eradicate it and get it, right? Do you guys remember the story, and did you ever hear the story of during the uh more recent big California wildfires that they had that a fire that firemen uh smoke jumpers were were way out and they were they were you know doing their thing trying to you know break break the uh fire line and they came across something that they thought was just like a big guy right and it was all burnt up and it was suffering it was laying there and they went up, and uh, a couple of them they started, you know, giving him like uh, medical treatment, right, helping them out or whatever. And then they discovered it wasn't a human; it was actually a sasquatch that got caught in a fire, hair caught on fire, right, because it covered in hair, and he was bad, he was badly burnt, like badly burnt, but he was conscious. And these and these guys are taking care of him, and the Bigfoot seemed like he was like looking at them, like "thank you for helping me," right? So they call it in. You know, kind of discreetly. Then, within a matter of an hour or two, military helicopters swoop in. Military guys like rappel out of the helicopter, and they're like, "Okay, we this is our scene now. You guys get out of here." And they and they and they took the Sasquatch and they put it on a thing and they raise it up to the helicopter and boom, off it went. That's a really cool encounter, and I'm trying to remember where I saw it. Uh, but that was that was like uh the 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 firemen became a whistleblower on that because they were told not to talk about it. But this guy said it was too, this was too crazy. I had to talk about it. I think that that is very interesting too. So it leads you more to believing that they are more human than they are, than they are like creature, right?
2: Well, I think like Sean, so I think there's different versions. And, you know, I said meat sacks earlier, and everybody knows how I feel about meat sacks. I've been on plenty of shows talking about what I think about that. So I think that the government – um creates these entities, these, these meat sacks essentially for these demonic entities to enter and take over. And I think this could be somewhat of you seeing uh the guard dogs or the guard Sasquatch. Um, I even think that a lot of your great aliens are meat sacks as well. Um, I do I do like the uh the robotic aspect though, and I've been getting into that too. So I think there could be a combination of as that as well. Um, so I do think that there's this mirroring aspect that the government always tries to do. They try to reverse engineer everything. You know, it's like what they're doing at Skinwalker Ranch uh, that came out in the Pentagon files where they're trying to reverse engineer the paranormal on the property. So you've got a lot of this stuff going on. And I think that's, a, that's what they're also doing with these cryptids. And I think that's why we're seeing um, outside of the metaphysical ones. Cause I think that that, when you start getting into faith theory and all that, when you're, when you're dealing with in the woods and you're dealing with entities that can shape shift, I agree that they could shape shift into anything to lure somebody out into the woods if they wanted to. But if we're just talking about what seems to be flesh and blood, I do think, and I agree with Sean, that the government is creating these just meat sacks for something else to enter and and take over. And again, maybe gray aliens is a robotic aspect to AI ish aspect. I like a little bit too. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the meat sack idea of them being in cahoots with some entities outside of the spectrum. And like Tony and I talk about fallen angels in cahoots with these guys to create these meat sacks for entities to take over to either guard or, we don't know what they're setting them out to do missions or whatever. Like we don't know the government. Obviously if you said they went and ca- they came and picked that big foot up, they're taking him somewhere and they're studying him. And I don't think he's the first one. I think they know exactly what he is and how he operates. They've been knowing for a while now. So if they're reverse engineering it, then obviously they're, they're going to reverse engineer in a way that they can manipulate.
3: Okay. So if you think about Sasquatch in that respect, the, the, uh, the whole myth of Sasquatch goes back hundreds, if not thousands of years. Now, my Sean, anonymous Sean from, from The Wicked Planet, he is a firm believer that is what we know as Sasquatch today has biblical roots in the beast of the fields of the days before Adam and Eve. Okay. So, so that's, that's interesting. So Sasquatch is nothing that the government invented, like they would have had to capture them. And we know that they got them captured. I mean, I would bet, I I would bet any amount of money on it. So, but like what you say, they're in in a sense studying their genetics and maybe they have uh, several breeding pairs, right? I mean, that's not hard. They do it at zoos. Oh, you're
2: talking my language now, Ron, because I am big on old earth, big on old earth. And that's all I've been studying. You can tell, Sean, I've been studying old earth for the past six, seven months. I've been concocting a lot of theories. I've been reading a lot of different guys from Quail to Gary Wayne, all the guys that talk about Nephilim and everything in old earth from that gap theory from Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-2. Well,
1: you talk about meat sacks. They kind of like, I've referenced this before, but when you talk about meat sacks and using it with like the government, it really kind of gets that soft disclosure, uh, like our buddy Jay likes to say. (laughs) Because look at Avatar. Avatar, what are they doing? They have meat sacks. They are in there, right? So they can go on that planet, you know, and that's kind of the disclosure they're showing you is that they are doing
3: this. But with what? Yeah, when you talk a, uh, Avatar, that was more like uh, Pandora was like an AI world, wasn't it? Or something similar along that line? Because that one individual uh, that was paralyzed that turned into one of the Avatar uh, creatures on Pandora in the first one. It's been so many years since I watched it, but uh, that's a really interesting concept for sure. But who's to say that the government's not using what we know today as CRISPR technology? That they've probably had for, you know, decades. And have several breeding pairs of Sasquatch, or, or even Dogman, for that matter. Excuse me. And then they're just, you know, genetically altering these things to come out for this, uh, maybe a, a group of super soldiers that are basically Sasquatch. Now, now we know that the Russians actually did that. Like, that got, that got leaked. That the Russians were trying to create super soldiers from chimpanzees. So... That's another rabbit hole if people want to go and check that out. That's kind of crazy. Because, you know, if you can have, uh, say you say you get the genetics just right and you get these things trained enough just to go out and kill, right? No, no matter how they do it, right? Who's to say that you can't mass produce them like, like in a cloning scenario, like in the movie Oblivion, where they had uh, like, you know, 15,000 Tom Cruises, you know what I mean? They're all the same person, right? Who's to say that the government's not doing something like that? Like, who knows what they're preparing for? Are they preparing for some massive uh, war of Armageddon across the globe? I mean, are they preparing for something to, to fight? Well, check this out, Joel. Are they preparing to fight something? Because we, we hear about Planet X coming back into our orbit, right? I know this is getting out there a little bit, but it's a cool theory. So, and what have we heard about Planet X or Nubero or whatever you want to call it, like through through the writings of uh, Zachariah Sitchin, and also it and also studies uh, from uh, who's the German dude, man. Oh, anyway, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, he's on Ancient Aliens a lot. He's the he's the German guy. Or he's Austrian or whatever. Anyways, how maybe we're hearing that you know we have an impending alien invasion. Now, and I'm not talking about the fake one that's Project Bluebeam that we keep hearing about that the government wants to use, use to scare us into submission. But I'm talking about, so what if we do have a pending uh, alien invasion? Are they developing these clone Sasquatches maybe to fight these people off? I mean, we don't know. I mean, they could be doing things actually for good reasons. Like, like we know that our government doesn't do a lot for good, but who's to say that they're not on some level like, so we don't have a mass extinction event where there's no more humans on the earth and it's controlled by whoever comes down from these other planets and spaceships.
1: Man, that would be so fucking wild, man. A bunch of, like, angry uh, uh, Sasquatches, like, just, like, just taking out grays. Just <laughs> I, I, we got to make that movie copyrighted right here, guys. Don't, don't take that.
2: I I... I like what you're saying, Ron, uh, about them creating these super soldiers for some sort of impending doom. But my question is, too, is who's manipulating the governments into thinking that and then playing the opposite end as well? Because I believe that these fallen angels, these quote unquote aliens are in contact with these governments and they are playing them like a fiddle as well as on the flip side so i think it's just a master chess game and yeah i i totally agree with you i think governments as bad as they are i don't think they want us extinct so i think that they are looking at ways that they can combat what they think is the impending doom but is it really what's going to happen and is are they being played as well is this just a, a a a a
3: full-on chess game? Well, I think they'd be okay with they would be okay with a lot of us being dead <laughs> but, I mean I mean, I mean, we're kind of experiencing that right now, right, without getting into it, people know what I'm talking about so but uh but yeah, I mean they they may want to have some type of protector class for for all the elites that are left over after, right so so yeah, so that's really interesting. I know we kind of got out there a little bit. But, but that's okay. I like it out there.
2: That's what we do here, Ron. Booyah, dog. Booyah, dog. Hey, so, Ron, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about your family and the Salem Witch Trials. And how that's connected because briefly off air the last time that we talked we were off air and we ended up talking for like another 45 minutes people don't know how podcasters roll a lot of times we get off air and then we have almost a whole nother podcast but you had (laughs) but you had brought this up and i'm like man i really want to hear this story so i'd love for you to get into some of this and just see where it goes all
3: right cool uh yeah no i don't have any problem talking about it uh I think my mom gets a little upset when I talk about it, but she won't be listening to the show. <laughs> so uh, she does listen to Wicked Planet on occasion. She likes to uh, get on my case about the language that we use. Uh, I've I've been trying to, you know, get keep it a little cleaner. Buckley, he can't control himself, so it is what it is. But uh, so, yeah, w- you know, Wicked Planet, we just roll with stuff too, right? Whatever comes out, comes out. But, uh, yeah, so... So I am a direct descendant of John Proctor who was hung in the Salem Witch Trials. He is my, I want to say, eighth or ninth great-grandfather. Uh, and I have all the documentation to back that up, so I'm not making that up. And uh, because my mother is a proctor, my grandmother was a proctor, her great-grand, you know, so on and so forth. So so we're definitely proctors. And, uh, and this is something that uh, I was told when I... Got back to like like up to middle school, okay. So I I was like oblivious to any of that until middle school, and and it was really funny because my social studies teacher had come up to me one time, and I want to say I was in probably eighth grade, and he goes, "Oh, so I understand that you're a descendant of John Proctor from the Salem witch trials," and I'm like, "Uh, yeah. How did you know that?" And he wouldn't tell me, but but I figured out how he knew. One of the other teachers in the school. Her husband worked for my father, and she used to babysit me when I was younger, and her and my mother had that conversation, and then she told my soul studies teacher. So, so anyways, uh, so yeah, so uh, John Proctor was one of the prominent characters in the whole Salem Witch Trials. Obviously, he was accused of being a witch. Whether or not he was a witch, you know, we don't know that, like, for sure. There's a lot of different theories out there, and we can hit on a few of those, but uh, he was, I want to say, he might have been the first man that was hung in the Salem Witch Trials. I'm not absolutely like 100% on that, but he was accused of witchcraft by his neighbor who went by the name of Putnam, and he's a very nefarious character in the whole Salem Witch Trials thing, and uh, who in John Proctor was allegedly having an affair with Putnam's niece and the niece got, the niece got scorn, and as retribution, she accused uh, John Proctor's wife, Elizabeth as being a witch. So of course, when John Proctor stood up for that, then, then they came out with, Oh, well, John Proctor came to me in my sleep. So, you know, now he's a witch. So that, so that whole hysteria thing, uh, you know, it just it was just that. It was hysteria. Everybody was just going crazy. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the, the Salem witch trials uh, took place in Salem, and a lot of these things did happen in Salem, but it encompassed that whole area of Massachusetts now. Uh, because it was like 40 people accused of witchcraft in the town of Andover, which is right next door. There were people in the town of Peabody who actually, that's where John Proctor was from, was Peabody Mass., which is right next to Salem Village or what they call Danvers today. Uh, because Salem Village and Salem is two different places. I mean, yeah, they're right next door to each other, but Salem Village is where actually the witch trials kind of took place. And because uh, they didn't like the whole, you know, the whole stigmatism of being uh, associated with the witch trials, they actually named, renamed the town from Salem Village to Danvers, Mass. So when you look on a map, that that's where it is. And he had a big inn and a big farm and a, and a tavern, like, in, right on the Peabody-Salem village line. So, anyways, uh, I try not to enli- uh or subscribe to the theory that he was having an affair with Putnam's niece, because at the time, she was only, like, 12 or 13. So, I, you know, I don't know how the Puritans did it, but I know that that's sketchy nowadays, right? Like, you don't do that. But, but... I know like even down south, Kentucky, whatever West Virginia, you know, you get into them mountain and them hollers like like they're marrying off their kids at twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, and if they're not married by the time they're twenty five then they're a, a barren old spinster, right, so maybe this could have this could have been you know a, a similar thing back then. I just don't know, I just like man, I don't want to believe that my great grandfather did that,
1: but even in like medieval times and stuff like that, like you know what I mean like uh age was different. It was looked on a, a lot different. You know, everything was about childbirthing and, and having kids and things of that nature.
3: Well what it was, Sean, as soon as they as soon as they were old enough to become a woman, you know, have their first cycles, uh, that means that they they were they're were they're ready for to to bear children, right? And I mean and back then, you know, people died off like all the time. I mean, people were dying 30, 40 years you're 45 years old. Like you're an old guy, right? So, so this is how they had to possibly was their reasoning to do that was to repopulate, you know, because they had to have more people to work the farms, to work the land and to fight off Indians, you know, because they still had problems with Indians then. But, uh, but yeah, so he was my uh, great grand, let's just call him my great grandfather, however many generations back. Uh, Very interesting story. Uh, One of my great uncles always told me that it was nothing but a land grab. Okay. So uh, because this Putnam character, uh, he basically didn't have a lot, so what he was trying to do was trying to steal other people's land. And uh, John Proctor had a lot of land, so so that's one of the theories. The other theory that I think is more more likely to have happened was that they were all under the influence of ergot, like like all these young girls, because it was mostly young girls that were accusing people of being witches, right? So, uh, ergot is a mold that grows on rye when rye gets wet, gets moist, doesn't get a lot of sun. It, 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 uh, it develops this mold called ergot. Well, ergot is an, a hallucinogenic drug, right? So, and this goes back now to bringing the, the werewolves really quick again. In France... When they had the whole werewolf scare, when all these people in all these towns were out hunting werewolves every night and shooting their neighbors, right, they they figured out that, they, that it was the ergot that was making these people see hallucinations, and people were seeing people as werewolves. They were manifesting werewolves in their brain while they were under the influence of hallucinogenics. Now, if you guys have ever done any hallucinogenics, like... You know, there's that one joke. Uh, I'm taking LSD because I'm on a diet, and, and, and every time I go in the refrigerator, the dragons there protecting it, right? So, I mean, I mean, <laughs> so 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 I've lost a lot of weight because I'm scared of getting eaten by the dragon. But uh, but anyway, so so I had done a little research, and other people have done research that the summer prior to uh, 1692, or that summer leading up to that, was a very uh, a very wet summer, right? And rye was something that was very prevalent there. It was like one of their cash crops because you can do a lot with rye, right? You can make bread with it. You can make alcohol with it. You can make medicine out of it. You can do all kinds of things with rye. So when they cut all this rye down and they put it into storage, of course, it probably was a little damp. So if it had ergot on it in the fields, well, the ergot's going to get worse when it's in storage. And these people, you're talking like 1692. These people don't know what ergot is. So they're grinding up, they're putting this rye in their grist mills to make flour or whatever, and they're making bread with it. And who's eating the bread? Well, everybody's eating the bread. But as you know, how, just say, a grown-up having a beer is one thing, but a 10-year-old having a beer is another. So that 10-year-old is not going to be able to handle that alcohol, right, Like like an adult can. Because their bodies are just not designed to do that; they haven't been weaned into the into the drug thing or the alcohol thing or whatever, right? So it would make sense that more younger people would be afflicted with ergot poisoning versus an adult that even if they ate the same amount, right? If that makes sense. So, so, so if you start looking at the symptoms of ergot poisoning or, or uh, you know, being exposed to ergot, it's it's very eerily similar. Two, what they're describing these, these young girls are going through. He's giving you seizures like that you could kind of equate to a uh, epileptic seizure. Their bodies go into contortions. You can't control your arms, your legs, you're all twisted up, you're cramping up, right, doing crazy stuff. And, and you're seeing things that aren't there. So back in the Puritan days, well, there's only one explanation for that: It's the devil. It's the devil. It's the witchcraft. Did you not sign in the book of the devil? You know? And this is what they were actually accusing people of during the Salem witch trials. Did you not sign this devil? Put your name and blood in the devil's book. And these people are like, yeah, I I, I guess I did that. You know what I mean? So they were just scaring these people into, you know, following whatever narrative they want to push, just like how they do it today right? It's no different. It really is no different. And uh, so these people were going along with that. So what they offered these people was, well, if you can tell us who made you do this or who else is a witch, and you admit that you're a witch, well, we will cure you like the Lord will cure you and we won't hang you. So what did they do to save their own ass? They started making they start making shit up and throwing people under the bus. Exactly, Sean. So, so and that's what they were doing. And I think that's what happened to uh, John Proctor because he was defending his wife against it. I mean, his wife was pregnant at the time. So they couldn't hang her, even though she was convicted of being a witch, which she later got pardoned of. But being pardoned as a witch is not the same as being found not guilty. I mean, it still means you're a witch. We just don't care anymore. But, but after that, you become what they call a dead woman. You're not allowed to own property, have money, have nothing, right? Now, John Proctor had 14 to 16 kids. So it makes sense that a lot of us are Proctors. A lot of us are related, right? Like in that whole area, all over New England, all over the, all over the country, actually. All the, way, all the way to California. Even just our branch of Proctors go right across the country. All the way from New England to the Midwest to Colorado to California. So, and that's just one branch, right? So, uh, so they did offer John Proctor a deal to where if he admitted he was a witch, that they wouldn't hang him. But he was so adamant that this whole thing was just a crock of shit that he would not admit that he was a witch. And they hung him. It's basically, basically what happened. Now I'm doing, I'm still in the midst of doing a lot of research on it because like I said on the uh, the other night with uh, some other friends of mine, uh, this, this, this goes down even like it's multi-layered what actually happened there. And what's really interesting, it would take you a year to research just the transcripts from the court cases because they, they did, they did very good documentation of all the, all the accusations, all the testimony all the trial, everything that came out in trial, and what happened after. It's documented very, very, like, very well. So, and that's really cool for history, because we could look it up and try to decipher what's going on. Now, there's been a kind of renewed interest in the Salem Witch Trials in the last couple of years. Uh, there actually, there's a, some people that are doing a documentary film about one of them. I actually had them on The Wicked Planet. Uh, interviewed them that was very interesting that that's actually in production right now and uh so but i didn't know if you uh, if you guys had any questions about that
1: well i i think that it's pretty interesting uh especially the land grab aspect because i think you're right i think there's multiple layers i don't think it's like one thing but it does make sense at that time to take a, a power now when you said they're a dead woman Does that mean that their descendants, their children, also are not allowed to own land? I mean, maybe later on, but at at their immediate uh, children, are they allowed to? Like, if they have daughters or sons, or are the sons allowed to and the daughters aren't?
3: From what I understand, it has nothing to do with the children. So so it's just that. I mean, obviously, she had enough kids where I'm sure she was taken care of. And you know, later down the road, uh, these people, including Elizabeth Proctor, did get reparations. Uh from, from Massachusetts. Now, I want to say she got uh the equivalent of fifteen hundred dollars today, which back then would have been some serious money, right? So uh so yeah, so I don't really know. Now, see, our branch doesn't come from her because John Proctor had multiple wives, and he had uh his first wife, I believe, died, his second wife had several sons and one of those sons is where our line comes from but his second wife i believe was also named elizabeth so that kind of creates a little confusion when you're trying to do the genealogy and trying to do the research on it because the last two wives were both named elizabeth so there were so many kids in that proctor family that i'm sure she was taking care of but they did try to steal all this land they tried to steal everything that john proctor owned so, uh, but I believe that the kids retain that because there's another story that I, I think is kind of cool after. Okay. So when you're hung as a witch, you're not allowed to be buried in se- uh, uh, in a cemetery, you know, anything that's sacred. You can't be buried in, on sacred ground, right? This is another term for it, but that's what I'm going to call it. So what they did was they dug this great big mass grave and they buried them all in one big mass grave, like right near where they hung them. Right. But that night, John Proctor's sons, and I got to believe because uh, his third wife, like, I don't know, th- if they had kids together already, they were very young. But his sons from his second marriage, which would where my line comes from, were older. And a lot of people don't understand, too. They've arrested everybody. They arrested the whole family. Like all the Proctors got arrested, all, even the kids. Yeah, they arrested them all until they slowly got it sorted out. But. A couple of his sons went to the, buried, the mass grave, dug it up, took him out of the mass grave, snuck his body back over to Peabody, and they buried it in a secret location. Now, we are working on trying to figure out where that is. We've got it narrowed down, but trying to get permission from a landowner to say, hey, can we come in here with ground penetrating radar to look for... A famous person that was hung in a Salem witch trials. You know, I don't know. They might be on board for that. They might not. But but I thought that that was pretty cool, too, that they're like, no, this ain't happening. We're going to dig him up. We're going to give him a proper burial. So, yeah, just a couple little interesting kind of cool stories about it.
1: No, it really seems, though, like I said, like that would be like the perfect way if you had nothing to get stuff from other people. Like, you know, just. Or just to like, you know, pettiness. Like, I think there's a lot of like, you know, where that like jealousy and and, and different angles of why you'd what because you didn't have to necessarily, necessarily think someone was actually a witch. But if you're like, man, fuck that guy, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine like it was right now, they're like, fucking Joel, man, fucking, and Ron and Sean, fucking witches, man. And then boom, like, what do you do? You know what I mean? The whole town's like, yeah, hey, they've already witches, been man. doing that in the past three years, Sean. It's
3: almost like nowadays you say in your neighbors, like in the drug cartel. You're dealing the reefer cigarettes over there. You're not going to call the cops. <laughs> and cops don't care about that up here anymore. I mean, even though it's not legal, they just don't care. Like, whatever. Let them smoke some pot. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's the same thing. Pretty yeah, soon right? it will be the vaccine. Yeah, well, that'll be coming. <laughs> yeah, if you see something, say something. Well, I know my neighbor's not vaccinated, and, and we're having a land dispute right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? I got a jingle for you right there. If you see something, say
4: something.
3: <laughs> you know, I don't want to get into geopolitics, but I do not know where we're headed as far as that goes. Hopefully enough people are waking up to see, you know, what's going on. But uh, but yeah, so Salem Witch Trials is pretty interesting. I got to get down there. Uh, I meant to go down earlier this year, uh, but uh, a lot of people you know, know from listening to Wicked Planet, like I got a really bad bum hip, uh, which knock on wood, last couple of weeks hasn't been hurting that bad, but... Certainly nothing that I can do like major walking around for like walk around for miles. So I decided I was going to wait till after my hip surgery to make my trip down to Salem. Uh, And we got a bunch of donations from listeners that I just put in a separate account. So we've got a few bucks to work with, too. So so it's so it's going to be pretty good. Uh, Me and Buckley and possibly Anonymous Sean are going to get together and go do that like on a long weekend or something. Uh, and then we'll have that out. So that's something for people can. Uh, so then you're
1: going to put a podcast about it after you do I, all we're that. We're probably like, going to do a small, video, si- a small series. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
3: yeah. 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 That's the plan. Something that won't get banned on YouTube.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. We dabble with some of that stuff yeah, too. Yeah. You get into the geopolitics or the, uh, the vaccine, vax, jabbity jab. You,
3: you're off. I might, <laughs> I might make some correlations.
1: He's a witch He's a witch
3: (laughs) Devil, devil, devil
1: Bobby Boucher, that's the devil That's exactly where I got that from
3: Oh my god Didn't I tell you not to talk to little girls? Little girls are the devil Yeah, isn't that crazy
1: though? Like we think it's crazy, you know that like that would happen back then. Like we're like, man, how unevolved were we that? Th-? And you're like, what are you talking about, man? You guys were just trying to throw me in jail because I was like, hey, maybe that vax isn't good for you. Get him! Like,
3: well, you got to remember, you got to remember these people were Puritans. Okay, so they came to the new world to have religious freedoms because even in England, the Church of England's like, yeah, that's a little much. So we're not gonna let you be Puritans and they're like, well, we wanna be free. All right, well, well, there's a boat. <laughs> there's a boat. Have a nice trip. So that's basically what that, you know, that was the whole Mayflower. And then of course, you know, everybody over here, if you if your family came on the Mayflower, which a friend of mine's family documented did, he's a Brewster. And the Brewsters came over on the Mayflower. There's actually a big, huge private school up on Lake Winnipesaki called Brewster Academy. That was his family as well. But uh yeah, so everybody that came over on the Mayflower is supposed to be like American royalty, when in actuality they were just uh, you know, religious refugees that were fleeing fleeing England before they got rounded up and their heads chopped off.
1: Now, here's an interesting conspiracy that kind of just came to my mind a theory like what if some of these people that they proclaimed to be witches were from some powerful bloodlines or maybe Something that was said maybe like in the future, like, hey, this blood like some John Connor shit, you know what I mean? Like where they're like, Hey, we need to dist we need to we need to take care of this. We need to wipe them out. You know what I mean? Like their whole bloodline. Not just uh, hey, this guy, like, hey, we need to take care of them all.
3: Okay, so that was something that our family was accused of. We don't talk about it a lot. I don't have a problem mentioning it. But but that was something that they were saying that the Proctor bloodline was, you know. Sure. Long lines of witches that went all the way back to the pagans and the Vikings, because the proctors in our genealogy, we know for a fact that we, we are Normans. We came from the from Normandy, France region. We came from the Vikings that were called Normans. Uh, they got that name because they, they settled in the Normandy region of France. In exchange, uh, they were given that land, what is now Normandy, to uh, run autonomously, but in exchange, they would protect the French Empire against any other Vikings or any other, you know, any other uh, invaders. So, so, the, so whoever was running France at the time, whoever the king was at the time, took that deal and said, okay, you can have this whole end of the country. That'll be yours. Normandy will be yours. But if anybody tries to invade, you need to defend us. And that's what they did. They did. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with the person, William the Conqueror. So, so William the Conqueror was the Norman. So, and that's how our family went from France to England in either uh, like higher ups in the Norman army, or I have some of my ancestors, I um, mean, excuse me, some of my cousins that say in the genealogy a lot points to that we actually come from William the Conqueror's personal line. So, I don't know. I don't know. I can't verify that. So, I never claim that. But, but the Normans were the only people to ever invade the British Isles and be successful. Like in, in William the Conqueror, appointed himself king, right? Uh, of course, that bloodline kind of went away because the royal family today is not English or French. They're actually German. So so that's why they changed their name to the House of Windsor during World War II. Because they didn't want the British— be- Well, you, your name sounds kind of German. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, but anyway, so that's how the Proctors came from uh, Normandy, France, to England, from England to the New World. So that we that's know, that, was that's, thinking, that's documented.
1: Not witches, though, right? Like, I know they're saying that that claim, but my thing is, like, a powerful blood. And now that you're saying, you know, William the Conqueror, like, that makes more sense to me, right? Like, because you may be a bloodline that can challenge them. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking more of, that lines, and it's easy to, at that time, when people don't know about witchcraft, and they're scared of everything, I mean, it seems like people are still scared of everything when you watch the TV and everything, but you know what I mean? Like, they didn't understand what that meant, so I almost feel like either it was a way to, like, hey, these people might take over because they come from this bloodline and they're powerful, or maybe on some spiritual level of, like, hey, we need to take these people out because we're, they're gonna be a thorn in our nefarious schemes. That's I just feel like that's what it was because the way that people were just claiming people were witches and they could just you know you could just say hey man this guy he he did blah 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 no you're just going off of people's accounts you know what i mean like someone just said i saw him do this and you don't you don't you had to go off the witness and we know and especially in the crypto world it's all over the place when you're talking to witnesses, you know, some people are very descriptive, some people don't really know what they see. So I felt like it's like a it was like a power a power trip, right? Let me take out this family, let me take out this whether it may be from your bloodline or maybe just that you have the potential of taking over. And I I just felt like that was a real weapon that they try to use back then.
3: Well, you got to remember back in medieval times, like just the Battle of Hastings was in 1066, right? So you're talking like you know, almost a thousand years ago, right at this point. So, uh, and you know, you know, and they were Vikings. So the, so they were Vikings that you know brought all that Viking folklore and all that mythical and, and all the gods from Scandinavia when they came there. Now, from what I understand, uh, and I and I probably shouldn't talk on it because I don't really know that much about it, but I believe that the Normans kind of at that point were kind of becoming more Christian leading. Right. So because because William the Conqueror, you know, I want to say he was 16 or 17 years old when they invaded England. Yeah. Yeah. Look that up. Like this wasn't like a 30, 40 year old guy. He was he was the child king. Right. So, you know, and, and we know that during medieval times that these knights and these Vikings and things, they enlisted the work of wizards and warlocks and things like that to watch over them during battle. I mean, look at all the gods that the, that the Norse had, right? One thing that I did find that was interesting is that the Normans were clean shaven Vikings. That was one of the, yeah, that was one of the things that kind of set them apart. Now I, I read that in several different things when I was researching that, you know, when you think Vikings, what do you think? Long, scraggly hair, big beard, mustache, all that craziness, right? Well, the Normans were clean-cut, which I thought which I thought was kind of just like me. look at me, I'm clean-cut. I shaved my beard the other day.
1: So yeah, I know, I was like, you look like a totally different man. I was yeah. like, "Who is that?"
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was just bugging me. you know, it'll grow back in a couple of weeks. yeah but but anyway, so, so I think there's a lot there's a lot uh, that I need to learn just from the Normans. You know what I mean, And that whole thing, but if you look at the proctor uh, what do they call it coat of arms, there's a part of it that that uh is defined by uh we live by the sword or we took by the sword, meaning that whatever they got in the form of wealth or land, they killed somebody for it because that's because that's what it was rumored that William the Conqueror said to all of his top generals or whatever you know probably weren't called generals then, but you know what I mean probably said okay so when we're successful i want you to go out and pick out whatever land you want and just tell the people that live there that it's yours now and if they give you a hard time kill them i mean because william the conqueror was not a nice person you know so i mean he had this big pissing contest with the current you know who was king of england at the time and i mean england knew they were coming but it don't take long to cross the english channel from normandy france to, to england
2: i'll say this though too you can track uh track nephilim bloodlines back to Normandy. So what
1: kind of bloodline are you, Ron? Oh, you don't know? It's got that ginger blood.
3: <laughs> I do. I do, actually. I do, actually. I am an RH negative. I'm a O negative. Which, which was a very prompt. Well, of course they don't know, but during, you know, during excavations and DNA testing of some skeletal remains uh, and just studying people from the Bosque region of Spain, which is right on the border of France, uh, 85 or 90% of the people that live there or come from there are all RH negative bloodlines. So I am RH negative. Yeah, I'm RH negative. I'm uh, O negative, which is universal donor, which means I can give blood to every living human being, but I can only take it from a fellow O negative. That's a whole other rabbit hole right there, man.
2: That's those bloodlines you're talking about, Sean.
3: Well, I don't know if it's Nephilim, but it's definitely Neanderthal in RH negatives.
1: Joel's over here trying to keep alive the ginger race. That's uh, a, his goal in life.
2: You know what I mean? He's uh, just trying to keep it going. There's not many of us left. We got we to gotta do it. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm working.
3: Dude, my, fam- my, f- my family is full of redheads. My family is full of redheads. My nieces are redheads. The niece that I'm raising is like a strawberry blonde. My mom was a redhead. My grandmother was a redhead. My mom's great grandmother was a redhead, so we got the ginger thing going pretty good too.
2: Nephila, baby.
3: Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, getting back to the witch trials real quick. This is something that I was really surprised, and it kind of fucking bugs me. Oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to swear, but it, it really, it it really, it really bugs me, <laughs> and because I don't understand why this this my great grandfather had this name. So my great grandfather was uh, obviously the father of my grandmother. He. His name was John Putnam Proctor. So his middle name was Putnam. I'm like, okay, did our families intermingle after all that? What's up with that? Why do we have anybody named Putnam in our family? And that just always kind of freaked me out because his name is John Proctor, but his middle name is Putnam, so it's John Putnam Proctor.
1: Maybe a deal was made. You know, at a time. Like, I don't
3: know, but Putnam's Putnam's the asshole that started all the stuff in his witch trials.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. Maybe some deal was made with that family later on to like unite. A, a man. That's that's a really interesting. Because why would you put that in the name? I mean, that's the asshole that started it all. And especially put his name with John Proctor. Like it's like almost an insult to injury. You know? Well,
3: yeah, I mean? that, and that's how I looked at it. But you know, that's how families gained wealth. Was was families. Like, okay, so I don't have a lot of land, but I got quite a bit. Oh, and I have a daughter. And, uh, and this guy over here has got a son that's right around my daughter's age, that's single. And he's got quite a bit of land. Why don't we marry into each other? And then, you know, when we're dead and gone, our children and grandchildren will have this land and so on and so forth. And this is how kingdoms are built. Just an interesting factoid of my family that I don't know the answer for. But i really like to find out.
1: Now, Ron, we appreciate it, man. You came. You conquered, man. You got from witches to, to Dover. <laughs> we went everywhere, man. Now, that's getting weird. We even got a little lizard people in there. Everything. But before we go, you got to let everybody know again where they can reach you at.
3: Oh, yeah. Real easy. Go on Instagram and look up Ron from New England. All one word. Like, I'm getting, like like, a lot of people know who Ron from New England is now. I mean, I've been at this game for a couple of years. Pretty hard. We're getting we're getting ready to go into our third year coming up here in April. So so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, Ron from New England on Instagram, Ron from NE on Twitter. That's like the only two places I'm active at all. Uh, you can go on the Wicked Planet podcast page if you want to keep up with show information. That's also on Instagram. We do have a Telegram chat that kind of gets bumping on occasion. Uh, I don't go on it a lot. I check in like once a day. Uh, I got a lot of friends of mine that just kind of police it up a little bit. And, uh, so that's pretty cool. That's called the wicked planet podcast chat. So if anybody wants to go check that out, they can email us at the wicked planet podcast at gmail.com. And every Thursday, if things go well on a Wednesday, you're going to get a new episode of the wicked planet podcast. So any of your listeners, if you're interested in checking out some other weird stuff, uh, uh Joel was correct. I like to talk a lot about geopolitics. I like to talk about the elite, the Illuminati, the Cabal, whatever you want to call them. We've got some really interesting stuff. We've been talking about this theory we call devolution that Anonymous Sean kind of subscribes to, and we do a lot of correlations between what's happening in the world now, all the way back to biblical times, and I find it extremely interesting, and I think that the listeners would, too. So come and give us a check. uh, You know, Come and check us out.
1: Ron drinks, and he knows things.
3: (laughs) I don't drink much, but... (laughs) But anyways, but I want to thank you guys for having me on. You know, this has been on the books for quite a while, and I always enjoy getting together with you guys. Are crazy?
1: Oh yeah, man you 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 got so much of wealth of knowledge, man. Like we love it, man. We we enjoy that you because we can hit you on any topic, man. We could go on the fly and we're switching. I love it. Well,
3: you know, you got to remember, like I'm an old guy. I've I've lived a lot of life and I've done a lot of reading in my day. So, uh, and I'm not very shy, so I can you know come on a show and. Go with the flow, and I have you know, I really enjoy going on other shows. I really like going on with you guys too. I love you guys' personality.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Likewise, we just fit together, man. We appreciate that. Yeah,
3: we're like peas and carrots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah, dog! Let's see how many stars you get after this episode. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and hopefully they can't go negative
4: <laughs> yeah, right
1: <laughs> and you know you can find us at kill the mockingbirds podcast on instagram kill the mockingbirds on telegram kill the mockingbirds obviously on all your streaming platforms sean chris joel thomas on all your music streaming platforms and don't forget to check
2: out on Instagram Van Tesla Music and Sean Chris music. All this talk about redheads is got me thinking, Sean. Um, you know, I'm on a lifelong mission to acquire Jen Psaki so we can have our beautiful Jen. Oh my God, you're blood. still
3: on her. <laughs> We're,
2: I've been talking to her, Ron. It, it, we've gotten that far now. she she's she's cursed me out a few times and she's changed her number. But I have. We are going to have. Um, we're going to help carry on this uh, master ginger race. And what's right around the corner? Little uh, little uh, February fourteenth coming up. You know I'm going to be right outside of her mansion, beating on the gate, and she will let me in. And I will tell you guys the lovely story, the love story that's old as time.
3: Hey, listen, Joel, I've said this on Wicked Planet many times because we call her Saki Saki. She, uh, (laughs) I personally, of course, you know, I have a problem with redheads. I've always had that. It's just it is what it is. Uh, I've always thought, like, like, take the fact that she's a huge bullshitter out of the equation. Take the fact that she's a leftist liberal. Take that out of the equation and just look at her. I think she's a really nice looking lady. And I've said that multiple times.
2: Yes, she's my uh long, long journey love that I am going to get. It will happen.
3: And we're gonna have beautiful children. I'm rooting for you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. Brat, brat Bird killers mm-hmm.